Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We are going to be continuing our sermon series, Teach Us to Pray This Morning. And we're going to be kind of changing the lens that we've been looking through and and changing maybe the direction and the application of how we've been considering uh, prayer uh, at large. And over the last uh, four weeks, um, we have been in this series called Teach Us to Pray. We began in Luke chapter 11, where uh, one of the disciples speaking for the collective came to Jesus and said, hey, teach us to pray. And that's where we began. And so over the last several Uh, weeks, we've been looking at Jesus's response to that question. Uh, We've been looking at his model of prayer. We've been looking at some of his teachings. It's kind of the do's and don'ts in a sense of kind of uh, putting that into practice in our lives. But primarily, the lens that we've used for our understanding and then for our application has been a personal lens, right? It's been Jesus, teach me to pray. How do I take these steps? How do I bring my requests and my petitions? In what way do I approach the throne of God? How confident can I be? How do I become a person who prays with great faith? How can I exercise that in my personal devotional life? How can I be connected to the Lord? How can I grow in intimacy there? How can I relate to my heavenly father? But primarily our thoughts have been, uh, how do I do that in my own life on behalf of myself? Uh, And there's nothing innately wrong with that. In fact, that's where we need to begin, and that's where we begin to kind of practice and grow in this spiritual praxis. But there is another invitation that the Lord gives us from inviting him to be at work in our lives and kind of moving and expressing himself through us to how we begin to partner with him to see that done in the lives of others where it moves from being a person of prayer and considering my own needs and requests and uh, my, uh, my own participation and devotion to the Lord with how do, that, how do I begin to now stand in the gap for others and to pray and contend for that in the lives of others and in spaces outside of just my person uh, and, and my locale. And uh, as we've been going through our, uh, our teaching, as we've been going through our, our learning about prayer, uh, we did bump into like um, Philippians chapter four and where Paul talks about a number of different types of prayer. He says to rejoice always. Again, I say, right, I wanna make sure that you don't miss this. I'm gonna say rejoice again. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but then in everything. So in every situation, in all things and needs, this is how I can respond, be a person of prayer. And he says, make your, uh, with prayers and petitions, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And so we've talked about uh, kind of some of those participative practices in bringing those needs before the Lord. But what's interesting is in his letter to Timothy, uh, his first letter, as he's given some instruction about how to lead the church in that locale into being prayerful and purposed in following in in, uh, that example and in that direction, he actually adds another thing to consider. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, as Paul's writing to the church there about the practice of prayer, he says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. 
So he makes another kind of one of those statements about how to put into practice this idea of prayer, how to do it within the community of believers, how to exercise that. And up to this point, all of these are things that we've been talking about. We've been talking about prayers and petitions. We've talked about thanksgiving and gratitude and how that relates. But there's something added in this verse that we want to kind of expand on for taking our lens off of ourselves and really onto our world. And that's the word intercession. It's added. You, if, if you have been with us over the last four weeks and you've been kind of careful and attuned to some of the language, you'd be like, wait a minute, this is a new thing. I didn't, I didn't hear this in the earlier pieces. Now, there's been expressions of it, but the word wasn't like focused in on. And here uh, Paul adds it, this idea of intercession. And this word is really, really important. And it is very different than some of the things that he's already encouraged us with, some of the things that uh, Paul used in his letter, and even some of the language that Jesus used. This word intercession moves back towards a more formal, uh, powerful partnership in prayer. Now, if you remember, up until this point, as we've been talking about how to personally apply prayer, how to, how to uh, approach the Lord with confidence, uh, Jesus was try- trying to break down this distance between man and God. He said, hey, when you pray, you don't have to do it in front of everybody. You don't need pomp and circumstance. You, need, you don't need to somehow demonstrate your spiritual prowess in it. You don't have to be articulate. You don't have to be well-versed. You don't have to go on and on and on and on and on. In fact, he said, you can just go into your closet where nobody even knows or hears, and you can just talk to your, what, Abba, your father, Right? So Jesus has gone through great lengths to bring in this intimacy and this familial interaction with the Lord. But that doesn't mean that there's not a place for the formal power and approach. And that's what intercession carries in the word. The word here, intercession, is a word that means to formally approach the king. It was really to have a royal audience where you got to come before kind of the king, the ultimate kind of uh, ruling leader uh, or archetype of authority in that context, and you got to come and say, I want you to exercise your sovereignty and your power, and I want to see it demonstrated in this way. And the word intercession primarily was an individual who would come in for a, a royal audience, and they were going to Uh, petition the king to move not on their behalf intercession was somebody who would come in and they would petition the king to move on behalf of somebody who didn't have a voice or an injustice that had been suffered that had not been righted it was something where there was this formal uh, approaching of the king and as much as as much as Jesus in in his teaching was trying to dismantle some of that formality and that distance between man and God, it doesn't mean that that goes away. God is still the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. God still exercises all dominion, all power, all authority, but God still is sovereign. That doesn't doesn't go away, and there is a place for the followers of Jesus to come to not our Abba in just devotion and relationship, but to now come to the King of Kings and say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm gonna speak for the things that are wrong in this world, the brokenness in the world. I'm gonna point out the injustice and I'm gonna petition you to move, not just as the heart of a father, but with the authority and the power of the King. 
the sovereign creator of all things, to move what was wrong back to places that are right. And not primarily in the life of the petitioner, but you are going to speak on behalf of somewhere else, someone else. And so as, as Paul adds this here, okay, there's this, there's, it's not a reintroduction as if it was lost, but in this verse, there is kind of the, the uh, inclusion of, hey, don't forget, dad's also the king. And that makes a difference. And the lens and the invitation here with intercession, okay, the prayer petition with thanksgiving, that, that sounds a lot like Philippians 4, the idea of not being anxious about anything and bringing your request to the Lord. Okay, all of that is where we start. You start in an intimate relationship with your heavenly father, a confidence that you can come boldly before the throne of grace, that you can bring your needs, that you can bring your petitions, that you can begin to be heard and understood, that you can hear and recognize the voice of the Lord, that all of that becomes part of it. But then there is a growth and kind of a shift and an application from just thinking about me and what I need and me and my relationship with the Lord, where my eyes come up and I look at the world around me and I say, there are things that need to change and I know the one who brings change and so now I begin to petition God to move in power and might not in my life because I need my needs met or not because I just want to see my wholeness or my healing or my freedom or to kind of walk into the fullness of the promises of God those things are good but there's something in us that grows to have a bigger awareness that says the needs in this world are greater than just the needs that I have and I'm going to now be a part of partnering with God to see those things change. That's what intercession is. Where it shifts from being about you and your stuff or even collectively us and our church or our little uh, expression of the body of Christ to now being people who have eyes that say, hey, this, this community needs to change, that this state needs to change, that this nation needs to change, that our world needs to change, that the systems don't work, that the, the systems of man and the systems of this world are all leaning towards things being out of balance and in opposition to the things of God. And I'm going to give voice to that fact and now begin to contend for God to do something about it. And what, what changes here in intercession is in our prayers and petitions and our requests, primarily, okay, this isn't a hard and fast rule, but primarily I'm asking for God to move in those areas. God, I have this request and I need this need met. God, you are the only place that I can go to for, for healing or wholeness or help. And, and what happens in intercession is instead of saying, hey God, I see now this thing over here, why don't you do something about it? The invitation isn't for God just to move, there is a reciprocated invitation to you to be a part of the solution. What intercession at the, at the heart of it has is not just an invitation from you to God to move in this area, but there is this cry that says, God, let's do something about this together. There's a move that happens in you in intercession where you're not just giving voice to something, you're saying, I wanna partner with you, God, in whatever it takes to address that and then you just, whatever that thing is. So the lens on intercession moves off of your person off of just your stuff or your needs. It moves off of just your devotion and relationship to the Lord. We start there, but intercession is like, okay, God, you're with me, I'm with you. Now, what are we gonna go do? What are, how are we gonna partner together to be a move of your kingdom come 
your will be done. And so intercession puts us into that place where we begin to pray for others and we begin to be partnering with God for another's benefit. And not just the idea that somehow when we pray for one another, okay? Intercession isn't primarily if you have a need and you find Pastor Ben after church and you're like, hey, can you pray with me? And I say, yes, let's pray. Or I go with you to the prayer station and we all pray back there. Like that, there's some intercessory kind of threads to that, but that's not primarily at that. That's you and I actually petitioning in prayers and, and bringing thanksgiving to the Lord together. We're doing it collectively. But intercession is when I would then go home and I would carry that burden with me, not in a sense that I owned it, but where I remembered it and where I started to get before the Lord with your need. And you may not even know about it. You may not be aware of it. I may not know all the details. You may not even want me to pray for you. Right? We run into people like that. Right? Hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. Bro, I can see you are not fine. Right? You can see that I am not fine. But like, it's easy for us to do that. But intercession is when we begin to contend for the things of God for those who don't have a voice or won't exercise their voice or who are even in opposition to the thing that needs to happen. Intercession is that. And the challenge, and this is what I want to kind of... Uh, kind of hopefully unravel for us the hurdle that is often in front of us that keeps us from doing this. The challenge is very often in a, in a couple thoughts. Um, it can be hard for me, it can be hard for you to begin to be a person who intercedes in prayer in this way. Uh, number one, when we are already overwhelmed with our own needs. Okay, if, when I am drowning in my own needs and when I'm drowning in my own brokenness, can be very hard to consider anything else that's out there because the primary press in my spirit and in my life is just that need. And so that can be something that can be of a challenge. That's why we really do have to begin with bringing our requests to the Lord, cultivating a close relationship with our Heavenly Father where we know that He hears us, we know that we can trust Him, that we know that we can bring those burdens and leave them there, that we can cultivate an ear to hear his voice and we can respond to that with confidence so that even if we're waiting for things to change, we know that our stuff has been addressed, we can start thinking about others. But if you're overwhelmed immediately with your stuff, it's gonna be very hard to think about how do I intercede for somebody else. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. The other thing that often happens that keeps us from maybe stepping into this, even if it's something that we're aware of and we know that we want to exercise, is I just want you to think for a minute, have you ever been in a place where you knew of a need, where you recognized an injustice, where there was a heart and a desire to see God move in your community or in your workplace or uh, in your classroom, something along those lines, and you began to, or you had a heart to begin to pray, but then the next thing you thought was, I don't actually know what to pray. Right? Like, I don't, I don't know the details. I know that there's something wrong, but I don't actually know what's wrong. Or I, don't, I know what's so, that something's wrong, but I don't know what to pray for to correct it. The lack of detail oftentimes keeps us from prayer. A lot of times when, when you're reading in Scripture where it says to pray for those in authority over you. Right? To pray for, for, pray for the president. Pray for the mayor. Pray for your boss. Pray, pray for those who are like, well, what do you pray? Right? What do you pray? Depending on your, your uh, political leaning and whoever's in office, maybe you're just praying that somebody else is in office, right? Like you just kind of start there. Like, like what do you actually pray? How do you contend for the things of God? Because we don't know the details, sometimes we don't, we don't pray at all. 
I don't know what to pray, and so I won't pray. And so that can be a challenge for us. And then sometimes we feel the resistance of either the individuals or the culture around us. We know that it is not wanting to see God move. He's not looking for a demonstration of the kingdom of God. And so we think since it's not going to be well received, maybe I just won't bother. And I want to help unpack those things this morning because I think that there are some things about God and the way that he partners with us in this practice that should build our faith and draw us to a place of expectation that we can contend for the kingdom of God here and now, and we can see it demonstrated and experienced in our lives. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible app. If you've got that with you, just go ahead and raise it up before the Lord. Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts for your word this morning. Lord, that as Jesus would describe those who were spiritually uh, insightful, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear your word. Lord, that there would be something in us that is moved by your spirit to put it into practice, that there would be a courageous faith demonstrated in us as we would even take small steps this week to partner with you and to contend for heaven on earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to address really quickly uh, the, the challenge that you and I have when it comes to not knowing what to pray. Uh, I think we all understand what it means to be kind of overwhelmed with our own stuff at times, and so to be, become so kind of self-focused and myopic that we're missing kind of the bigger opportunity to partner with God. And that uh, is addressed by really moving into having a prayer life that's cultivated to the place where I'm actually giving those burdens to the Lord allowing those to be taken and moving on in confidence to, I can trust you with this area, even if it's not resolved, what's next, Lord? And then I begin to move on. But I do want to address the challenge of how, how to pray when you don't know what to pray. Like, what, what do you do with that? And, and how do you approach that? A lot of times when it comes to intercession as a practice, where I'm going to contend for my community or for the school systems or for something in the justice system or a change in uh, the culture, that when I begin to think bigger, uh, I've got a big idea, but I don't have any details, and so I don't know really what to do with that. Sometimes we can get as, as kind of um, a common practice, we'd be like, hey, God, our community stinks. It just needs to change, all right? It's actually not a bad place to start if you know actually what you're addressing there. But we can feel like limited because we don't, we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do with that. And what I want to encourage you with this morning is that in, in, in prayer as a personal discipline or a, a spiritual practice, when Jesus initially is giving his teaching on prayer and he's giving a new lens for understanding it, He's reinforcing time and time again that you can come with confidence to your heavenly father that you're heard, that you're understood, and that he's going to act on your behalf. Okay, so there's this, I'm going to approach the Lord, and he's going to move on my behalf. Now, what changes in intercession is rather than me coming to the Lord and communing with him and communicating with him and then him moving on my behalf because of his grace, because of his love, in alignment with his promises and his word. In intercession, the move becomes a partnership. There's something about partnering with what God wants to do in a person, a place, a community, a locale, that is at the heart of intercession, 
And I want you to think about that for a moment. Uh, a, a, a theological lens for understanding God in his personhood is the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A, a community of one. It's a, it's, it's, it's a challenging type of a thought to get to, but you see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit uh, spoken of and descriptive and understood through all of Scripture, and we're pretty familiar with God the Father and Jesus as the Son, and kind of at times we're pretty comfortable with the person and the role and the move of the Holy Spirit. But Scripture's pretty clear on those things. And what I want to do this morning is I want to show you how God in the community of His person actually partners with you in intercession. That it's not you just coming before the king and saying, hey, this stinks, exercise your power and authority. He says, oh, yep, got it. Like you're giving him a to-do list. But what happens in the exchange is that you are invited to partner now with God and being a part of whatever that ends up looking like. And let's go to the idea that I don't know what to pray, so I'm not going to pray at all. Can I suggest to you that all you need to begin with is what you actually do know to pray? And here's one of the reasons why. The Father already is aware of the details. Now, I know that when I say that, for most of you, that would kind of hit home and you'd be like, oh, yeah, duh, like, I know that. Right? It's one thing to know it in your head. It's one thing to be convinced of it in your heart. It's another thing to be reminded of it when you don't know the details. Very often, this is something that uh, kind of escapes us at times. We won't know what to pray, so we won't pray at all. But God already actually knows all of the details. He's already aware of that. If you remember in Matthew chapter 6, when we were looking at Jesus' teaching on prayer, and there's some places uh, in, in that week where we talked about prayer and fasting where Jesus says, hey, don't do it this way, do it this way. Don't do it this way, do it this way. And particularly in prayer, he reshapes the way that they were gonna do it. Not formally, not kind of uh, eloquently, not out as a performance, but making it something that was intimate and something that was personal. And that whole change of lens was based on this truth. He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Don't just keep going on and on. You don't need all of the extra stuff. Okay? It doesn't mean that there isn't a place for some of that. There's a place for eloquence and honoring the Lord with that. There's a place for continuing to pray and pressing and pushing until you see breakthrough. There, there's a place for all of those things, but he's saying those things aren't primarily needed, and here's the reason why. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That applies not just to personal prayer. That's not just you and your devotion to the Lord. When you see and are moved by the Spirit of God in a way where you recognize something in your home or in your workplace or in your community, when there is a burden of either compassion or a sense of, I want to see justice done here, when you are compelled to give voice to something that needs to change and be aligned to the will of God, the kingdom of God being advanced, that there are details about that that you may not know what to pray or how to maybe begin or what to kind of end with, but God knows all of those details as much as he knows the details of just the regular needs in your life. The same thing is true. And so when you are at work and you're like, man, there is something wrong here. Okay, this, this culture is not a culture of honor. It's out of alignment with the way that God would honor and value people and it needs to change then you can begin to pray for that. And you may not know what needs to change, 
right? You might need a new HR department. It might be something as simple as that. Or you may have all the right policies, but you've just got a group of people who are selfish and hell-bent on themselves, and there needs to be a, a change of heart or transformation. And you may not know in equal ways which one of those things to even pray for, but you can begin to pray and contend for, God, there's something off here that's out of alignment with the way that your kingdom would look. If your kingdom came and your will was done in my workplace, this place would be different. And so I'm going to begin to contend and pray for that, knowing that he knows all the details, the Father's already at work, and He's aware of those things, and so we can begin to pray. We can begin to pray not knowing everything about it because we know the one who knows the details. God can fill in the blanks. God can fill in the blanks, and so for you and I, we can be moved with confidence that we can just, we can just begin. We have a tendency to elevate the idea of prayer, okay? to elevate it. Now you should elevate the importance of it. It should have a very high value in your life for you to actually grow and, and develop into somebody who's spiritually mature and partnering with the things of God. Absolutely. But sometimes we elevate the bar of what it takes to get started and so we just don't. And the bar is really low. Just start praying and trust that God knows the details and that he's going to fill in those blanks. The other thing that can help us is to recognize that the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit is active in prayer as well. See, you're actually partnering with God. When you intercede, you are actually partnering with God to contend for what he already wants to see and do in a person or in a group of people or in a locale or with a community. And the Holy Spirit gets to be at the heart of some of that praxis as well. In Romans chapter eight, Paul's talking about the way that the Holy Spirit partners with individuals and with the, uh, with the uh, followership of, of believers as a whole. The way that the Holy Spirit does that and then the way that he kind of supports that and fills in the gap, so to speak. In verse 26, he says this, in the same way, in the same way, the, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself, look at this word, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that a wild thought? That as you would be moved to intercede for your community, as you would be moved to intercede for your spouse or for your children, as you would be moved to intercede for your workplace, as you would be moved to intercede for the things that you see in the world outside of yourself that are misaligned from the things of the kingdom of God, that even as you would be moved to intercede, the Spirit of God is interceding for you. That the Spirit of God is actually filling in the gaps of what you don't know what to pray. You don't know what to pray, but the Spirit of God does. See, you're actually partnering with God in the process. You're partnering with Him. See, prayer isn't primarily just this transaction where I approach God and then He, what, He responds to my request or pats me on the head and tells me it's going to be okay or He picks me up and puts me back together and makes me whole. There's all, there's all kinds of things that can happen in that exchange, but it's not, it's not just that. Prayer is also an opportunity for me to partner with God in the things of the kingdom of God. 
And the parts that I don't know, the Holy Spirit begins to fill in with his person and his presence. He begins to intercede on my behalf. There's a number of different ways that this can be applied in your own personal life. We actually go through some of that stuff in square three in our equipping class process. And I don't have the space or the time to, to, to unpack that at length this morning. But can I just simply remind you of what Jesus spoke of in Luke 11? It was at kind of towards the end of his teaching on prayer where he says this. He says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I love that verse. Because it doesn't tell me that I have to know all of the answers. I don't have to know all the pneumatology, all the theology. I don't have to have all of the mastery of Scripture. What I can be absolutely certain of is that if I ask my Heavenly Father for more of the Holy Spirit, that He says yes to that. And so I can begin to pray with confidence. I don't know the details, but Dad knows all the details. And I may not even know what to say, but the Spirit of God knows what needs to be said. And I can ask Him to speak on my behalf because what does He do? He intercedes for God's people. That just as you would be speaking and interceding on behalf of brokenness and broken people in this world, that the Spirit of God is doing that actively for you as well in the process. John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 would also remind us that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us, and he's going to remind us of the things that Jesus spoke and taught, that there's going to be uh, not a, a need for me to worry about what to say when I need to give an account or when I go into those positions where I need to be prayerful because the Holy Spirit will give me the right words. See, there's a partnership here, and that's awesome because, like, if you get to, listen to me, if you get to do a group project with the Holy Spirit, does it really matter how much you bring to the party? Right? Some of you were the students that hated group projects because you knew you were going to get saddled with some millstone and you were going to have to carry all the weight, right? And some of you loved group projects because you were the weight that was getting carried, can I tell you, when you get to do a group project with the Lord, you, you don't bring a lot to it. You bring a willing heart, you respond in faith, and you just, you do your little piece. And Dad already knows all the details, and the Spirit of God's already moving and doing the heavy lifting, and oftentimes it's in that practice and in that uh, co-labor, that you're formed, that you're transformed, that you begin to change, that you begin to have a greater understanding of who God is and how he works, not just in the world because you're partnering with him, but what that could look like personally in your life. There's incredible growth that happens in that because you get to work alongside, your, you get to create with the creator, so to speak. But the Holy Spirit is able to partner with you in prayer, to guide you in the direction that you need to and to actually substitute in for you when you don't know what to do. And if you just say, hey, Dad, I need more of that, then he says yes, and the Spirit begins to move. It's an openness and an invitation to that partnership. But the other thing, just to kind of settle your hearts this morning about not needing to know everything in order to do this, right? The Father already knows all the details. You're not telling him something he doesn't know. The Spirit is already willing and able to partner with you in the process and even interceding for you as you begin to intercede for the things in the world around you that really need to change.
But the other wild thought is that, did you know that Jesus is praying for you even as you are praying for others? I don't, I don't know if you've, if, if you've ever thought about that. See, primarily the way that you and I think about spiritual disciplines, particularly prayer, is we think about it as we do it and we give it to God. We think of it in terms of worship, okay? And there's a worship element to that, so I don't, I don't, wanna, under, I don't wanna undermine that or suppose that that's not true. But worship goes one direction. Do you understand that, right? You worship God and no other gods. That's 10 Commandments stuff, right? You worship him and he doesn't worship you, right? That, that, that's not reciprocated. He values you, he loves you, but he doesn't bow down to you. Like worship is one direction. Prayer is two directions. Prayer is communication. Prayer is conversation. Prayer is relational. Prayer is an invitation to partner together. And it's important for us to make that recognition because we lump prayer oftentimes into these other spiritual practices that are one directional and we forget that that other element exists. God already knows the details. You're bringing to him not new information. You're bringing yourself as a presentation before him in a new kind of relational type of a way. The Spirit of God is not only interceding for the situation that you're praying for, it's actually, he's actually interceding for you on your behalf. You're partnering with him. And then the wild thing about Jesus is that Jesus is active in this process as well. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it tells us that because Jesus... Because Jesus has fulfilled all of the, the need for sacrifice, a lot of the book of Hebrews is kind of uh, unpacking kind of the, the detailed hierarchy of the old priest system about how Jesus sacrificed, uh, Jesus' sacrifice has, has appeased all of that need for sin to be uh, dealt with, that it's done, that he gets to stand as kind of the high priest that sacrificed once for all. Like, so there's a lot of kind of nuance and a lot of stuff that you have to have there to kind of get to the nitty gritty of it. But because Jesus has dealt with it is a good way to start with for this verse. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because, look at this, he always lives to intercede for them. That there is a constant mediation, a constant intercession that Jesus is doing on your behalf. And so when we start talking about this idea of intercession, and you and I having kind of the faith and the courage to say, I'm going to contend not just for the requests that I have in my life, and I'm not just going to cultivate an intimacy with the Lord where me and Jesus got our own thing going, but now I'm going to be moved as a man of God, as a woman of God, to actually take a stand for the things of God in this world that I'm not just gonna long for someday, but I'm going to contend for heaven on earth, his kingdom come, his will be done today, that because of that, now I am going to begin to pray, not for myself, not for just my wants, not for the things in my own little circle that need to change. I'm gonna to begin to contend for a move of God that goes beyond me, that impacts the lives of others, and that changes the community, that impacts gender generations to come, changes the trajectory of families, like that there, there's something that rises in us, and I can do that with confidence because in that, I'm not telling God, okay, here's some more things that you didn't know about you might want to add to your to-do list, 
or here are some other things that, man, you know, maybe if, like, no, I get to partner with him and say, okay, God, I, I trust you with my life. How can you use me to impact the lives of others? I'm going to put all of my stuff in your hands, and now I'm going to say, what can you and I go and do together? How can I be a part of being your hands and feet in my community? How can I be a voice for justice in my workplace? How can I be, just fill in the blank, as you begin to see and recognize the things in this world that are misaligned from the kingdom of God, and you do not have to look hard. You do not have to look hard to find people who are hurt and broken and in bondage. You do not have to look hard for people who are wounded and abused by just the way that this world works. You do not have to look hard to find people who are without who are the have-nots, who are the marginalized. You do not have to look hard for things that need to change. And if your eyes can get up to see that and you begin to say, okay, this is, this is God, we're, I'm bringing this to you. And however you can use me to be a part of that answer, I'm, I'm willing. And you begin to grow and you begin to go kind of with that type of, of a charge where there's this sense that God is going to partner with you in this. You get to be invited into being a part of a move of the kingdom of God. That goes beyond just the move of God in your life. It, it has to start there. You really don't have any business trying to partner with God in intercession if you haven't just cultivated a right relationship with the Lord to begin with. So it has to begin there. But you'll, that longing for more, that, that expectation that things would change, like it will, move, it will move you. God will invite you to move with him. Or you're moved to be a part of interceding for others. And I want, I want to give you just one maybe practical thing. Because again, what do you do when you don't know what to pray? Okay, first, we need to be reassured that God knows, that his spirit will partner with me in that, and Jesus is praying for me and on my behalf, so that's a good place to start. But I want to give you something that's simple and practical. Um, I'm not sure th that if you're aware of this or not, um, but we actually have a, a privilege in our community uh, where at the beginning of the city council meetings, uh, they began those meetings with a, with a prayer and an invocation. Uh, and it's not just kind of a formality, although for many that's what it would be. But pastors in our community are actually on a list where we get to go in and we get to, we get to begin those meetings. And so a couple times a year I, I'm afforded that opportunity. Uh, and that can be intimidating because I don't always know what's on the agenda. I don't always know what's going on in the ins and outs of the whole of our community. It can be very difficult at times to come in. I don't, I don't know all of the, the council members. I know a few. But so you're, you're coming into this place where you have this opportunity to invite the presence of God and contend for the kingdom of God, but you don't really have a full scope of awareness of what's going on and what the needs are, other than what you would just intuitively know or what you've kind of carried in on your own. And so very often in that setting, very often in that setting, along with trying to be prayerful and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and led in that way, I will pray God's word. 
Listen, you can't go wrong with the promises of God. You can't go wrong contending for the promises of God in the lives of others and the community around you. And so one of the things I almost always have as part of my invocation is I pray out of James chapter one. James chapter one, there is a promise in God's word that says, if anyone lacks wisdom, they can ask of God, who gives liberally without finding fault. And so I almost always pray for our leaders to have wisdom. Why? I think they probably all could use it. If they got it, you could always use more. And you're really safe praying God's promises if you want to see things change. And so for you, as you would go out this week, maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about praying for other things. Maybe your life is, is a hot mess right now and you're just, like you're prayerfully just trying to keep it together. Maybe you are so busy and you are so pulled in different directions that you're challenged to even kind of remember to set time aside, to even bring your own petitions and requests. Maybe you're so weary in your own person that it takes all of your effort just to give voice to those things. But if you were able to this week to set aside just your own person, your own needs, your own stuff, and to get your head up just enough to see, okay, God, how could I pray in my workplace? How could I pray for my coworker? How could I pray for my spouse? What would I pray for my kids? What are the things that I see kind of broken and, and, and off in my community? What, what do I see? Begin to pray for those things. Maybe you don't see those correctly. Sometimes we pray for things that aren't actually broke. And what's broke is our perspective. There's things that God will correct. There's things that he'll redirect about your heart and your values and the way that you see them or those or what you're contending for to be kind of the direction. But then very often there's this ability for us to just begin to give voice to those things where we trust the Lord in this, in this simple step. And if you would take a step this week to pray for another, to pray for a place, and if you're like, man, I'm not sure what to start, just start with a promise of God. Start with a promise of God and begin to contend for him to move in that way. Church family, if you would stand, worship team, if you'd come forward, we'll consider a couple questions with the Spirit before we leave. All right, so just a few, uh, a few questions for you to consider and maybe allow the Holy Spirit to give you some direction on these. But the first one is this, is how, how can you begin to pray for those around you? Like how, how can you begin to pray for those around you? And allow, allow the, the Lord to inform that. Don't, don't, you don't have to go looking for problems. You don't have to create a conflict. Maybe the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know what? Start praying for your neighbor. A lot of us, we have neighbors that live next door to us. We don't know their names. Maybe you just begin to pray for them. Maybe you begin to pray for the neighborhood that you live in. Maybe you begin to pray for your, your classmates or your teammates. Maybe you get, begin to pray for your employees. Maybe you pray for your colleagues or for your peers. Maybe you pray for your pastors. Maybe you pray for your city council leaders. Maybe you begin to pray for your community. Maybe you begin to pray for our region. Maybe you just begin to pray, 
pray for our nation, knowing that we're going into election years and there seems to be like an exacerbation of division that when, when that happens, it's just like, you know what, God, I'm going to pray for unity. That's a great thing to pray for. Jesus prayed for that for you and I. How, how could you begin to do that this week? And then for just a moment, maybe this would be helpful to close your eyes. I want to encourage you to kind of have some divine imagination to allow the Holy Spirit to give you kind of a, a, a big dream of what could happen. What would happen if we committed to pray for our community to experience the kingdom of God? Just for a minute, with some divine imagination, what do you think would happen in Sterling, Colorado? What, would you, what do you think would happen in Pete's and Islands? Fleming and Marino in, in, in Northeast Colorado, extending out from there. What do you think would happen if we began to pray that our community, that our area, that our region would experience the kingdom of God? And then are you willing to do that? Lord, give us hearts that are prayerful. Lord, and we've got to begin with us. We've got to begin with just simply coming to you, knowing you as our Heavenly Father. We have to begin with cultivating a relationship with you, having a prayer life, being able to bring the, the simple things in our own life that are needs and burdens. But Lord, the invitation for us is to move beyond just having you move in us to partnering with you to be a part of you, a move in others. So, Lord, for the last four weeks, we've practiced prayer. We've practiced bringing our burdens. We've practiced calling on you as our Heavenly Father, as our Daddy God. And, Lord, this week we are encouraged to now come before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who exercises all dominion, all power, all authority, and begin to call on you and to respond to your invitation to partner with you to be a part of your move, your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, give us that type of courage. Give us that type of confidence, knowing that we don't have to know all the details, that we get to partner with your spirit in this process, and that Jesus, you are already praying on our behalf, contending for and interceding for us. Lord, give us that type of confidence to take that step this week that we would contend for heaven on earth in Northeast Colorado as it is in heaven. Give us those eyes and give us that voice. Give us that courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Action steps for you this week for you to consider. You can snap a picture of these if you want to remember them or you can catch them on Facebook later on this week. Number one is just to be encouraged knowing that Jesus is interceding for you. That should, that should pump you up knowing he's with you. Number two, invite the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayers. Just ask the Lord. He says yes to that. Number three, begin to prepare, or excuse me, begin to pray for your community, wherever you are, to begin to experience the kingdom of God and look for ways to partner with Him in that.